Welcome to episode 117 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Chrissy Mayo. Chrissy has ran several adventures up to 100 miles, winning races, setting records, and seeing the world. Chrissy is the author of Running Your First Ultra, where she provides detailed training plans and stories to help any runner preparing for a race or adventure. Every year, Chrissy holds the Chuckanut 50K, which is an ultra race on the beautiful single track trails in the Chuckanuts in Bellingham. I'm fortunate enough to live nearby, so I get to run those trails off, and the course she puts up like gives you the best bang for your buck for those for that area. I, talking with Chrissy, it's very interesting to me how she's like set her life up to lead her particular lifestyle. Like, it sounds like she likes to run and help people. And as that's evolved, she's able to shift how she spends her time generating an income to support that. And I don't know. I really admire that in people. To learn more about Chrissy, her books, her race, and her coaching services, you can go to ChrissyMoehl.com. And you can find the links to that and her social media in the show notes at becominghumanpodcast.com. Tell me about without any further ado. What got you into ultra running? Hanging out with the right people at the right time got me into this sport of ultra. I told this story a few times. I got to uh, work at Seattle Running Company in the era of Scott Jurek and William Emerson and Jeff Dean and Scott McCubrey and all these guys that were just now we can see at this hub for the sport as it was um, growing in the States. And yeah, Scott Jurek had just won his first Western States when I started uh, working at the store. I had been uh, overseas in Ecuador for six months for school. And when I came back, the store that I had been working for had been purchased by Scott McCubrey. And I went back looking for my job and fell right into this great community of people that were, yeah, building the trail running scene in Seattle at the time. And I got to be a big part of it. It was really cool. Oh, that's rad. Was it uh, an idea that you, that you had for a long time um, in doing trail running, like professionally? Um. No, like there were like I didn't even know what trail running was until I met the Scots, and then. I was a high school and college track runner. I ran the 800 meter was my race. So a half mile and, and turns out I'm actually should have been racing the 10,000 meter, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know people ran on trails until I met those guys. And I didn't know how far people ran until I met those guys. And, and I'm working on a second book right now. And I've re- been reliving that story a bit of walking into the store and, um, asking, basically asking for my job back. And, and the way I remember that when Scott started telling, when McCubrey started telling me the jerk had just won Western States for the first time. And this cool cougar trophy was sitting on the store counter. 
the way I interacted with them, let them know right away that I would be in. I didn't ask like, how do you go to the bathroom or any of those questions? I was like, what's it like to run that far? What do you carry? How do you eat? Like I was pretty intrigued right off the bat, but then it took six months to get me to go trail running with them. So it wasn't a totally easy sell. Was, did you have anything else other than running, um, that, that drew you in like that in your life prior to that? into the store the sport or what um more more to your like your instant like curiosity and like fascination with um running that far i guess right on yeah, to my mom always keeping us really busy as kids we had great um, experiences all across the board from dance lessons to horseback riding to bowling to girl scouts like you name it i've probably did it as a kid except for skiing that was the one she would not let us do was snow skiing but we yeah growing up busy kids were kids stayed were kids that stayed out of trouble and i think that's always led me to be pretty curious and i'll try anything i might not like it but i'll give it a shot just because of that um energy that i grew up with i've always getting into and not only just getting into but we had to finish so if we we want to take some sort of lesson or start a season of a sport you were in until you finished it for that season, at least. So I appreciate those lessons from, from on Paul mail. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you ever had any trouble uh, in your adult life, like being consistent with something? Definitely not with trail running. <laughs> I've been doing that for over two decades. Um, yeah, I think, Uh, Well, you made that comment earlier, and I think my, like, consistency plays into the answer as well, is about, did you have any aspirations of being a professional trail runner? Those words didn't get there. Like, when I was growing up in the sport, (laughs) like, you you did not grow up to be an ultra, or professional ultra runner. And I still, to this day, when I hear some of the, the, you know, know, new and upcoming that's got it, they have big sponsorship contracts with some other brands say I'm a professional ultra runner. It's still like makes my head turn twice. And I know it's a thing and I've made it a thing. I've, um, I've taken a risk and quit a normal office job and pieced together a pretty creative lifestyle to make it financially viable as well as like, like getting to live my passion. But yeah, it was not, there was no role models in terms of what how you do that and i i get emails how do you get to be sponsored by patagonia or get to work with some of those great brands or make this lifestyle and i always joke and say well you got to meet scott jerk when he first won (laughs) western states and (laughs) it wasn't necessarily a go to school for four years kind of plan that's just interesting because like the the lifestyle that it lends to however perhaps it's romanticized but the lifestyle that it that it lends itself to um, is, is something that that I I really enjoy the thought of and things that come close to that I really like experience like having the whole summer off for instance and it's not that I don't mm-hmm. do work but my work is now I have creative work and I'm trying to make money with that um, not because I you know it's an excuse to make money but it's because I love to do this and I'm trying to you know create something that's valuable and be rewarded for that and and get to do it more right and like it it seems more con- Conducive to to the way that that I like to spend my time and the kind of challenges that I want, whereas like, you know, showing up somewhere um, in 
in not being judged based on whether or not what I'm putting out there is a value to the community. It's just like, Oh, I've hired you. Um, it's not very fulfilling to me. And then I speak with, you know, other people who, you know, might start a sport or an art and it's really vague on how you'd be successful at it. Right. And attain that other lifestyle outside of like your quote unquote nine to five. Um, uh-huh. And some people, I, I feel like the like the general consensus when you haven't experienced it is like, um, you say it, it it's like a misconception when you're trying to think like how do i pay all my bills with this thing i like it's more or less like how do i do how do i run and then you run it's like well how do i run more and and then doors open for you and then uh, before you know it you know you get to spend an inordinate amount of time doing the thing that you love if you're lucky and fortunate mm-hmm. I think the consistency pieces like that question before I like I can I was really consistent with like the work that I did with my sponsors with um, call it a little bit of hustling in terms of just like getting after it and being creative and trying to figure out ways to support this lifestyle I wouldn't say it was yeah I definitely wasn't all handed and I had enough savings to live for a year when I started this whole thing and um, this year I get to celebrate 10 years and I haven't touched that saving. So definitely been, a oh, wow. evolving thing. Yeah. It's been evolving. Like I haven't done the same, I'm not doing the same thing that I was when I, um, started this 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And I love the evolution. It's it definitely brought me closer to a lot of people who knew I would have ever wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Um, now I get to coach clients and have these great relationships and interactions with people and their, not only in our running lives, but like in their lives and how running becomes a integral part of their life, not just something they do. I love it. Mm, yeah. And, and, and I love to see, um, see someone so like fervently pursue those things that, you know, they love. And it's very admirable because sometimes, you know, I've, um, I've done this many times and I, and I know others who have, where it's like, you know, you want things, but you, you find all these reasons why you can't have it. Right. And it's, it's hard to overcome those obstacles, but when people do, I think it helps a lot of other people kind of fall in mind. Oh, totally. Yeah. And there's so many great ways that the inspiration gets out nowadays. You can look all around on all these social media platforms and all the different venues. Like I just think about what ultra running to me was a magazine that was black and white that just printed race results. Like that's how I learned information about the sport, you know, 20 years ago. Wow. Um, when, as you were kind of transitioning to, um, going, I guess like full time with the running like lifestyle, right. Um, how was your transition from like, you know, working your uh, nine to five job? Did you have like, other professional goals in that realm and did they phase out or or what was that like mm, that's um i was working for a nonprofit at the time called the conservation alliance and it was great work it was good work we were working to protect wild places for their recreational values it was based in the outdoor industry i i continue to have relationships with a lot of the people that i met during my three four three years working with them um you said timed out. I just, I had this feeling that if I didn't try this runner life's profession, if you will, I had a hard time calling it profession. Um, I didn't know if I'd ever get to, I was 32 at the time and that felt kind of like the old end of young. And the path looked much like the trails that I like to run, like 
can't see around the next corner, all sorts of obstacles and stuff, where the path with the conservation lines was pretty clear. I could see where that would go. And I chose the unknown. And it's mm. been awesome. <laughs> is that something that's um, characteristic of you, is to choose the unknown? I don't know. That'd probably be a question for like friends and family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um. I feel like I'm like super, like I, I take in a lot of information. I take time to make decisions. And, but I'm sure it might look different on the outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how, so you, you wrestle with like, you know, calling, I, I guess, like what you, what you do with running and the things around it, right. A, a professional, a profession. Um, how do you, how do you view yourself in like, in terms of, um, what, what your like year to year goals are? Cause it's obviously you, you like, you make money off of things that are based around running. Right. And, um, but all of it is like, most of it's interest based. Um, so are all of, or most of your goals like based off of, you know, um, of the things that you want to do, or do you have to compromise a lot, uh, or often to be able to meet like your financial needs? Mm. Well, I pride myself on living very simply. So I don't, I, I don't, I try not to let financial needs rule how I make decisions. To be honest, I try mm-hmm. and, um, I don't need a, I, don't, I feel like I don't need a lot. Uh, my dog is definitely an added expense that I love, but <laughs> I guess, that's just a silly aside. But yeah. Um, yeah, when you say that, I don't, I really don't feel like I let financial decisions rule my world. But then I'm also, I feel pretty fiscally responsible. Like when I quit my job, I said that I couldn't do this lifestyle on credit cards. So mm. I had enough savings to last a year. And I, you know, started going through that, then it was time to get another, um, call it a desk job or nine to five or to get back into some other industry. But, um, yeah, so I, I feel like I'm not totally driven by that, but I am in a way, cause I don't, I don't, I want to keep being able to live this life. I love it so much. So, um, there are times where I'll do different kind of work, um, like that involves more travel or um, actually to be honest, way more desk time than I would ideally want is like if, if, if my profession is a runner, I spend a lot of time on the computer, to be honest. So mm. um, maybe that would be the, the swap out that you're suggesting there, but I yeah. feel like it's worth it. Like there's, there's two truths, right? Like there, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself and you have your passions and things you want to finding the balance on what you need to do to make it all happen. I, that's the thing that I I find like from the outside looking in very interesting about you is that you, you'd have this lifestyle that people perhaps would glamorize, not, not even the trail or anything. It's just like something that people do for fun, but you get to do it, you know, do things around it a lot more. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and people are like, Oh, that's like, cool. You just kind of like, that's all you get to do. It's the caution to the wind. It's like, but you don't have to make all these compromises that everyone does. And it's like, wow, no, like everyone that you idolize, you know, has the same 24 hours as you do. And you compromise is just a part of human, like being a person. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like, like things like 
getting health insurance and being a business owner. Like I own two businesses to, to be able to like make this all work. And there's like legal paperwork that goes with that. I always joke, like I'm my own accountant marketer. Uh, I have to do the run. I'm the athlete. And like you do all the things to keep this all going. So it's, I don't know. I, I, that's why I guess I've had a hard time calling a professional athlete because I had it in my head. Professional athlete, that some else takes care of all this stuff, mm-hmm. and that's not my situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you Would you like that though? Like, do you enjoy being do. able to be this multifaceted person and like solving all these you know diverse problems? I do. I think that's why I still love restricting so much. Mm. Is there's so many different components to it. It's interesting because like. When people, if people don't have like a, I don't know, a sport or a, a niche um, where there's some form of competition, right? From the outside looking in, it could be like, okay, getting first is, is very important. That's why you do that, you know, um, like the Olympics, right? Um, and if you don't do that, then you're not successful. And that's like, the, you know, if you, if you can't do, then teach, right? And uh, I disagree with so many of those things because once you like do do really anything, you realize that, oh, wow, there's like a whole um, there's a bunch of these like uh, roles that people can fulfill and you can embody those roles masterfully. Right. And like and there's its own container of success there. Like if you're looking at like a referee, a referee, if you're watching a, um, like a UFC or an MMA match, right? A referee isn't someone who's just not capable of competing. A referee is, that's probably the best, you know, referee in the, in the world for that. And they're doing it. They really like to do because when they approached that um, sport, they found out that they had preferences and that their preference perhaps wasn't, it wasn't as important to compete as it was to like be, have the highest like technical knowledge and knowing when to make calls and having like all that rest on their shoulders or, you know, race directing. Cause then if you were to do something like uh, race directing, I imagine it takes away from your running. And therefore that means that there's something about race directing that's more important sometimes than running. For sure. Yeah. You touched on some really good things. I think like that, what, what is the definition of success? Like, cause you're saying like with your goals, are they, um, you know, do your goals, do your financial needs get in the way of your goals? Well, I think that's how you define, what are you, how are you defining success? Like if your financial is, is a part of your success, then that could, that, that could change how you look at the whole thing. I, there's some cool points there for sure. And just following your heart. That's what I took away from MMA thing is like, if you tune into what your best skills are or what you're really enjoy or whatever, like that's when you'll find what you're supposed to do as opposed to what you think you're supposed to supposed to do right like or what the world tells you to do versus what your heart wants you to do yeah and i think sometimes we can some people we can get caught up in pointing at the world for 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 it to like to pressure us in that way but i just think that that's just the nature of not even like our world just the world itself right like the experience you know whether it's like mm-hmm. uh whether it, whether it's looking, maybe I'm going too far on this, but whether it's looking like looking pretty, being strong, so on and so forth. Right. Like there's always this like expectation there. And regardless of like, mm-hmm. if you try to push it out of the way, it just kind of changes the face. And I think that's like a human thing perhaps. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I definitely deal with that in aspects of my life. Career has not been one, but there's other aspects of my life that I fight in terms of 
trying not not to be too convinced by what the world tells me I'm supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, are, are you a? I don't know how to word this. Do you value like? Are you competitive runner? Do you try to like get first place in races? Is that part of your goal set? Not anymore. Uh, it's kind of like you asked what my goals are this year, and I kind of skirted the question earlier <laughs> on the whole financial realm. I'm working through that right now to try and understand what racing side of the sport looks like for me now. I've raced competitively for two decades, and um, it's been two years. It will, it will be two years in March since I trained and raced like I knew it, like the way I enjoyed doing it. And for me, competition was always seen the best I could get out of myself. And what I loved about the racing aspect was other humans being out there pushing me to get more out of myself and likewise me pushing them to get the most out of them. Like I never wanted a gimme, like don't let me cross the line if you've got another sprint in you. And likewise, I'm not giving you anything. Like we're both, <laughs> let's see what we can get out of today. And I loved that. And, and I, that has shifted in me where I am such a cheerleader now. Like I am so psyched to see what other people can get out of themselves. And I love running and training. I don't, I don't have that same desire to, I don't know. It's so weird. Uh -oh. And I can't quite define it. I'm working with David Roach as a coach and it's more of the work I'm doing is figuring out what, what does, cause I love being at races. I still love directing. I love training. I love having a goal and reason to get out every day and signed up for me walk. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see what it feels like to start on that starting line. I have a feeling I'll be like taking tons of photos and I may even double the time that I've finished that course in before who knows, but I, <laughs> I just, um, yeah, it's changed, oh. it's changed for me and who knows if it will always feel this way or if it's a significant thing or yeah, I don't have the answer to the comp competition side, but it's a cool process to go through. That's that's so cool. And it's like, you know, I find it fascinating like that the, the notion of, valuing like being competitive or having that competitive drive and the way that you're working with it because sometimes I think it can be confusing when someone is starting something and maybe they're not very um, active right or very I don't want to say busy because busy isn't always great but they're not like um, they like you can get confused like not having that drive and for being lazy and you could like spend a lot of time, like really, really forcing a square and like a round hole and, you know, beating yourself up. And sometimes I wonder if you're like trying to, you know, uh, ignite something that isn't there. And I'm not speaking for you. I mean, I've had this with, with my own self. It's like, I'm going to win this. Like I'm going to go and set up to be the best that I can so that I can place like the highest. And like, I didn't really want that. And it's, I guess it's that external pressure that we were talking about before, but I didn't know what I wanted. I just wanted, that was the reason why I got into running. Right. And over time I realized that wasn't a good enough reason because I didn't really care about that. And the only way that I found that out was when my week started becoming really high volume. So I had to stop doing other, other things in my life that I liked as much to do that. And at that point it made me question everything because that like pushed me over the edge. Um, yeah, that's a good measure. 
And I had to wonder, like, why would you race something? And I got to this thing where it's like, why would you race something if you're not trying to do your best um, and trying to like, you know, like place or at least eventually working towards placing? Because all you do in this to be very simple and very blunt, um, which it's really not, um, is start and finish. And like, and mm. you have a time and you want to improve the time. And w- what else is there than improving your time or trying to be, you know, um, first. And there's all these things that would like run through my head is like you're of a certain age range. So if you were to spend all your time doing this, then you can be up there. You're capable. Like we all have a lot of people have the potential to be in that, uh, in a ranking. Right. Um, and then I just got to the point to where it's like, well, I'm not really, I don't want to be competitive because that's not, I was at that breaking point and I realized that my values were, were something different. And that's why I like the backcountry solo runs and doing those longer trail runs. Cause like for me, it's that God, that sounds really cliche, but it's just that experience for me and learning how to like love putting myself in these uncomfortable situations. Um, because you know, discomfort's like inevitable, whether I'm like hot or cold or bored or angry or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I'd like to learn how to like deal with that and really enjoy that more. And that's a good excuse to trail run. Mm, yeah, I think right. Like when you said all it is is starting and finishing and fin- and figuring out the time that was, that was road running for me and track racing in high school and college. And what I that loved was- about trail running, all that disappeared for me. Like it wasn't, it was about the community and these cool people that loved being in the mountains and they were seeing, we got to like use our own power to get to really cool places and yeah. happened to be on a race course where there was tables every once in a while with food on them. And <laughs> the fact that I did well was like such a, I don't know. I don't even know the right word for it, but it was so periphery to what the experience was it for me. Like it was what was in between in terms of figuring out what my body was capable of between the start and finish. So I, yeah, I, I'm different. I came to it very differently in like the competitive side or the call it the, the winning side or having the records that I do, who knows why they came to be, but it wasn't because that's what I was focused on. That's for sure. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Have you ever found yourself caught up focusing on that in a race or no? Um, yeah, there's actually, I did a, I got the opportunity to do a Ted talk and it was so timely because Western States, 2009, I got all sorts of competitive and here I'd been racing these things and doing well for nine years. And I was convinced that I was going to go home and bring or go down there and bring home a cougar. I even went so far, cocky little self, uh, to clear (laughs) space off a shelf for that cougar Wow! um, before I left on the trip. Oh yeah. I like, I put all, I was like thinking I've got to try this competitive thing. I've got to race. I've got to be up and see what like see what happens if I compete like like how I thought you're supposed to compete like the start and finish line and not necessarily the experience between and I was miserable (laughs) it was brutal and I put myself in the medical tent all told I ended up second which is great at western states but I was in the medical tent for six hours and they gave me almost two bags of IV fluid and I passed out and they called an ambulance and it was just so dumb. Like that's, That's, I don't race to put myself in the medical tent and worry my mother and my dear friends for hours on end. Like, so anyways, I took the rest of that summer to piece my, 
itself back together and really focus on like, why would I change something that's worked so well for me over the years? And that was the same summer I went and won UTMB in 2009. I set the women's record and was the um, first first American to win the race. Actually, that was oh. in 2003, but then to come back in 2009 and set um, the women's record that year and placed 11th. So the highest a female had placed doing wow. it the way I like, I loved it. I was, I wore a skirt for goodness sakes. I was like, skirts weren't even a thing really yet. <laughs> and, um, had some girlfriends crew me and didn't even really pay attention to the competitive side until Champagne lock, which was mile 75. So anyways, yeah, that was a fun Ted talk. Cause it was so, I had to put the story together and I could had those two, races to tell it and it really kind of solidified the message in my own brain too in the experience to get to share it with others oh, that's that's really beautiful i like that that's um it's and that's just like something that drives home something that i'd hear when i was a kid and i'd often get confused by which is like if you want to be a Oh, yeah. If you want to be a writer and make a living or if you're trying to be a writer so that you can make a living, good luck. It's never going to happen. And I'm like, oh, that's stupid. Why Why would I? And I, I really did. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to like because I like to write a lot. I was doing poetry and, and stuff. And I, I misunderstood it, I think, when I was a kid, because I'm like, I want to be a computer programmer. Um, and what I, I realized was like, you have to love it. And like not success, but like whether or not you like win or um, also if people notice your performance and give you like new incentives based on that, like a raise or, you know, new position, right? You do well amongst your peers is mm -hmm. usually just a consequence of you loving it because, you know, mm -hmm. aiming, aiming for excellence, like or doing it only to find excellence and to find out what the experience of excellence like is like is like is, is bullshit. And it also you miss the point because you're not even like present enough to to perform. You're not in love. And like when you're passionate and in love with the thing that you're doing, like you can't force that mm -hmm. or fake it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. I guess you can't actually force it. You can't fake it, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, if I put on, if I'm in like a really like, especially for running, I want to put on my shoes. I'll put some uh, by and by by camp, and that always puts me in a good mood. And it's because I try to uh, associate it with like when I'm in a really good mood and running, I'd start listening to that song so that I'd associate it with that good mood. It's really helped. But oh, right on. Have. So have you ever not wanted to run or do you have you been passionate about running um, throughout your career? And I don't mean like the because we're talking about your motivations for your goals and stuff like that. Mm. I just mean getting out the door, though, like to exercise. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have trouble, you know, maintaining. They view that as a chore. And then, well, you're like, kind of like the opposite of that. Right. <laughs> not always like days like mm -hmm. today or pouring down rain and the trails are all mucky with ice and snow and wet and that's when you have friends like my friend monica and i got out this morning thank goodness i call it accountability buddy i'm not the first to come up with that but like somebody that you know is going to be there so you better be there and you're doing the same thing for them is pretty key for some of that motivation and then there's definitely been times where i've just not run like I've taken months, uh, months off. I can't, I've never taken more than a year off. I've never had any big injuries take me out for long periods of time. So I've, I've, I would say I've been pretty consistent. 
But the other rule when I quit my job, one was that I couldn't put it on credit cards, like I said before. And two was I had to keep enjoying it because it scared the crap out of me to make my passion the thing that was how I made my living. And if I like lost my passion to, you know, trying to make a living off of it, that just, I didn't, that, that wasn't a way I wanted to move in the world. So I've been pretty diligent about just tuning in and making sure that I'm doing it for like the reasons that make it passion, the passion thing for me, not to make money or not to please somebody else or impress somebody else or anything like that. Like, and that's probably why I'm going through this adjustment now with racing is I'm being really honest with, I just don't really want to compete anymore, but I love being at the races. So what does it look like? And not trying to force myself to go race. Cause I should still like, I'm still in my prime. I should still be racing at a competitive level. And it's, it's just honestly not the same for me. I, I love cheering on my clients and hearing what they're, what they're excited about and the goals that they have. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's different. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> and like, see, I, I don't know if, if you're like me, um, but that sounds like obviously you have a lot of emotions about it because you're in it. But I'm I'm seeing it from like an outside point of view. Sounds really exciting because there's so much uncertainty there. So there's like mm-hmm. that's a lot of like potential for something new to come about. And like mm-hmm. for, for this is kind of how it is for for races. I found out in races and rock climbing um, and martial arts, like even fatherhood, to be honest. But yeah, whenever example. things get like ambiguous, I'm super stoked. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why I like trail running. Um, but cool. and that's like the, the why it lends itself to it. For, for me, I enjoy like a similar lifestyle um, as you where you're piecing it all together. Right. By uh, by looking at your interests and the things that you need to do to make it work. And I know other people where it's like I, I do need I need a fixed paycheck. I need a fixed like schedule. Mm-hmm. But like if I can control my schedule, like that's that's when I'm happy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. being honest. Yeah, that's the quality of life benefit. That's what I call it. Like I may, I may have to struggle to get health insurance and um, I don't know all the other pieces that come with paying taxes and being your own entrepreneur. But man, the quality of life benefit or the flexibility of schedule and um, ability to jump on opportunities—that uh, I have to remind myself sometimes. But that definitely is what it's all worth it. And it's cool because you even like it just sounds like you're in the thick of it of what we were talking about earlier where, you know, from the outside, it could look like, you know, if you're going to do this running thing all the time, it's, um, as a lifestyle, right. And makes perhaps money off of it. You're going to want to compete. And once you're done competing, well, you know, what, what does success look like or what does fulfillment look like rather? And like, you, you know, you're really, it's cool to hear, hear you wanting to share that with other people and build that community. And it sounds like you get at least a little bit of that with race directing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is 18 years. I've been race directing, checking it. I sure love that thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't wait to run it. It's definitely some of my favorite trails to run. Are you signed up this year? I'm not signed up this year. Um, I, when, uh-huh. when is the Chuck and Nut 50? Is it in spring or fall? It's March 21st. It's always the third Saturday of March. I think I'm going to actually sign up and volunteer um, on that one. Cause then in March, I believe I have the Yakima or no, that's April. I have a Yak, the Yakima 50 K. Perfect. 
Bone. But um you call it the chalconut one and the is those trails out there. I just love having like such close access to them and it's such beautiful single track. Mm-hmm. Yep. I live right at the foothills of them. It's great. And um what kind of roles can you do out of the people that you've met in the trail running community? What are some common roles that people fulfill? Uh I would say maybe professionally like there's you know race directors um, people who are like sponsored athletes what are other things that people do as um as a lifestyle or for work Mm, coaching i would throw that one on there um writing um being like writing getting to write a book for those are two different ads that Mm -hmm. i've found um not only necessarily a book but also like articles or blog posts for sponsors or so you can use that creative aspect or outlet um, here as well. Um, photography is a really cool one in the outdoor industry. And some trail runners have picked up some nicer point and shoot cameras and are able to at least pay for their camera and maybe a few other things. Um, selling photos. Um, I don't, yeah. Do you know other ones? Yes. Um, the other one I'm noticing people are starting to do more like uh, videography um, mm, of yeah. the trail running events and telling their stories that way. So much better. Oh my gosh, they used to be so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they're so like the good now. <laughs> oh, they were so trail running videos were so bad. Yes. <laughs> my my own included. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not exempt from that. Yeah, oh, they've yes. gotten so much better. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's like as, as there always is, right? Like instead of like looking at what you can do and how to fulfill that role. What's more interesting for me anyways, is like, what do I like and how can I bring, you know, the things that I like and the things that I have knowledge on, whether they're related or not into this community and build it so that it has a value. Cause like the, the reason for, for coaching, um, and anything that, that you do, right. Like over time of, practicing the the sport or the art or what have you you gain knowledge and people who don't have knowledge value people who have knowledge and will pay for that knowledge for their time and all that stuff and like all that is is you like you said it's consistency right and when you're Mm -hmm. consistent with something then you have something to offer like it doesn't you could literally like sit down and make a plan and just draw and if you consistently draw um your skill will improve right and if your skill improves then people value what you do because then it's you know it's uncommon and it's interesting as long as you can like prevent it or present it appropriately to the audience and and so on and so forth and that's what like is cool looking just thinking about like you know where you're at and and um other people or like you're you see all your preferences and you're you spent a lot of time in this community you have a lot to share um and there's a lot of creative ways in which you can share it. And I think it's just a matter of mm-hmm. figuring that. Yeah. And I love seeing the different, um, say artistic or other realms being brought into it. Um, like you said, like the community keeps building and growing and people contribute to it with their own skill set. So like, like we, like the example of the videography, how it's, you know, gone from people holding their own cameras to these like gimbals and movie production, or, you know, mm-hmm. higher level quality of um, not only filming, but editing and to storytelling being brought into the sport is yeah. 
is such a cool ad, like Ginger Runner and Billy Yang and a bunch of the other um, groups that have made this so much cooler. Now we just got to bring some fiction into it and make it like fantasy and we're going to get wild. (laughs) (laughs) It's too real for that. Yeah, it is. But I even like um, and the thing that's like so interesting about these experiences, kind of like how we're talking about wrestling with that, like competitive mindset and and having ambition. Right. The 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 theater or the stage in which you act all these things out um, over trail running right in between the start and the finish and all the training that you put into it. Uh, I feel like it intensifies whatever you have um, for better and for worse, like going on inside of your, or within your personality um, to the point to where some things you kind of got to deal with. And, and I feel like some of those things I probably wouldn't have dealt with in, you know, everyday life. Uh, And it's not just trail running. I think it's anything that you really care a lot about. And that makes you like try the best you possibly can. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely comes back to those motivations. What's what's getting you out there? And I've always said, like, you know, maybe up to like a 10k, maybe a half marathon, you can kind of fake it in terms of the emotional side. Where you get into marathon and ultra marathons, if you've got stuff going on in your life, it's coming up. You're running makes us too raw and real and strips away those layers, whether we want it or not. Like you might be super guarded, iron, iron best the whole, you know, rest of your life, but you get into those longer miles and that's just stripped away. And like, I think what you're saying is you have to deal. It's going to force you to deal with it. And the longer, longer you go, the, the more revealed there is. And I feel like that's why a lot of really great friendships are made on these long distance runs. Because there's no uniform, there's no um, pretense of like what you can and can't say. It's you're saying exactly what you feel because there's no filter anymore. It's been stripped away by the miles. And I, I, I don't know, that seems pretty real. And that's how I want to live my life. Yeah. I, and I, I want to live my life the same way. And I reflect on what happened during, of course, I was really young. So it's more stories. Um, what happened during like 9-11, right? When all the planes got grounded um, and Americans mm-hmm. were like let into people's homes and other countries. And, and then in, in New York, people were super personable, going out of their way to help each other. And it was it was insane. And it was uncharacteristic of how people would act there, you know, in, in the culture. And it's like whenever we have this like er, during the act of like a shared struggle, we, we often come together and bond. Right. And I, I think like having ones that are voluntary, though, and, and putting yourself in these situations, you can build those bonds. And I don't I don't think without that, without that, it'd be hard for me to see someone develop that relationship. And that's why like, I kind of wrestle with like, like I bite my tongue about it, but I get a lot closer. I've been closer to people that I've been climbing with and, and running um, in and doing martial arts uh, than a lot of my family. And I do it with my son. Mm. I feel super close with my son in that environment. But like the people that, you know, I just go and see them perhaps like on Thanksgiving or we go and watch a movie like I, I, I know who they are and I love spending time with them. 
and I really value that. It's important to me, and I consider you know they're my family, right? Um, but people that I've like had these shared struggles, those moments to where I was really uncertain. I had to let my guard, like I actually had to let my guard down and there was no, no bullshit, no, like, um, no prescribed vulnerability. Right. It's just, this is me and I, I can't do anything but to just expose myself. Right. Uh, my personality, that sounded weird. Um, and, and I, then that's, I think that's why when I like with those people, I feel so connected to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I just agree with you. I'm not going to, I don't have to expand yeah. anymore. <laughs> but it's been cool to do that with my son because like I tried to, cause it has to be voluntary. Right. And I think that's like the key mm-hmm. to all of this is mm-hmm. like when it's, even when it's not voluntary to yourself, kind of like we were talking about before, like that, that's only going to go for, for so long, I would imagine. Um, mm. but like, once you engage in this like voluntary discomfort with somebody else and have to see your way to the other side, like it's tremendous. And mm-hmm. when it's like that with my son, it's a little harder to, to, to make that situation happen. Cause you know, he's a kid and he likes video games. Um, mm. it's, How old is uh, your kiddo? he's eight. Right on. Oh yeah. He's getting into all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. It's a really exciting experience though. Um, <laughs> So with, let me say this, what was one of your favorite races that you had ever run or not even races? What were your, what was your favorite time that, that you like spent running or favorite long run? Mm, uh, I'm glad you opened the door a little bit wider on that one. Uh, I, there's so many cool events and I always say that my passport is my favorite possession. I wish mm. you could have a stamp for all the like stateside stuff too, but like flipping through that brings up so many cool memories and they're all so unique. Um, and I, you know, ask me on a different day and I have a different uh, event that pops to mind. But when you asked us right now and you opened up the door, it, um, the Tahoe rim trail FKT, mm. I got to run that in September of 2015 and I had 12 people come down and help me with that coordinating and pacing and, fueling and all the things um so i never ran a mile alone i was with people the whole way around it's the furthest i've ever run it's anywhere from 165 to 175 miles depending on the person um and it's like one of those stories or events that care like keeps living on magdalena went for the record this last october she was Mm -hmm. like a month later in the year that I was, and she battled some brutal cold temperatures and mm. still finished. Um, she uh, did not break the record, but like valiant effort. And it, those kind of things, like now I have this bond with her because she knows what it's like to go around Lake Tahoe <laughs> and the people before me. A couple of the record setters, Betsy Nye and Jenny Capel, came out and paced me, and they had held the record earlier. So I just, there's like some bonding that happens, whether you do it in the moment or you know years later of these different events. And I think that holds true for races, all you know, people that have done hard rock or Western States or can name nine drop all sorts of events. Um, there's like a common bond. Like when you've got, we've had those experiences with my specific team, these 12 people that came together, there was something magical that happened that day 
for everybody involved. And I would almost say more so for them than me, because in their 48 hours together, they were almost always like they were together, like navigating and trying to like figure out where I would pop out and what time. And they had so much to like you were talking about earlier about these crazy experiences that bond us closer. Those Mm -hmm. 12 people have such a bond from those 48 hours that we spent together. It's already so it ended up being four or five days that we were all together. But in the intensity of that record, um, there was a lot of really cool stuff that came out of that. That's a highlight. And it's a beautiful area. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And I even reading like the like Scott Jurek's book when uh, I forget his name, but when the guy who's tried to go for like there's people who had attempted the the record on um the Appalachian Trail and then there was someone who had the record previously and all of them are helping him. And yeah, David Horton, Carl Meltzer, yeah, all those guys. It's so fascinating because even like once again, competition from sometimes from the outside looking in, like not engaging in it or maybe a surface level view of it, it's like, oh you just want to, you know, overcome them. But I love what you said earlier about how it's you just trying to overcome your, your own self, right? And how, or how to see how far you can push yourself, what the best that you can get out of yourself. And mm-hmm. you need that other person, right? And like the harder oh, that yeah. they push themselves, the harder you're able to push yourself. And it's beautiful because they call it like a, like judo koi and uh, mutual benefit uh, and wellness and, and like judo and Oh, it's not judo. Sorry. Um, but that's what is something that's common in there. And that's because you're always trying to help. Like if someone, a white belt comes in and you know, you're a purple belt and you've been doing it for, um, like what, three, four years, you don't, there's a tendency for people to dismiss that because you know, they're going to, you're going to, they're not going to be as good and technical. They're going to take you away from your training and et cetera. And the reality is, is the more people that you, that you help along and the more that you build your community, um, you're going to help them, which is amazing, but also they're going to help you. And at the end of the day, you need other people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Yeah. And if you can teach something that shows that you really know it, mm, you, yeah. can go, yeah. you can go do it, but if you can share it, that's another level. It's a, I've, I really have enjoyed, um, teaching for that reason, because it's, like explaining it is so much harder than you would think. Cause you're right. Like mm-hmm. to, just, just to put it into words, it's like, yeah. It, uh, do you enjoy teaching given that you do coaching? Oh, I, I love it. And, and more so because I, I'm constantly surprised at how much I get out of it. Like mm. here, I, you know, I'm, I'm sharing information, but I get so much more back and that's been, I coached for girls on the run in 2007. So girls that were aged nine to 13, like, they're teaching me daily <laughs> the reality of, of their lives. And I thought here, I, Oh, you know, running has been such a great thing in my life. I can share it with these girls. And they, they pointed back to me and said, look, and I mean, they didn't do that. It just happens, right? Like it's an mm-hmm. energy exchange and the, and the gift back is usually stronger than you were anticipating. Yeah. All the way down to even having, having a kid. Right. Cause that's how it is with my son. Mm-hmm. My son's taught me so much. Oh, I bet he'll keep teaching you. Oh, yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what one of the things that maybe it's my personality or also like the I think it's my personality. But uh, I had my son really young when I was 17. And I always like to think that since I was basically just an amateur at everything um, and I had the 
luckily I had the responsibility to, um, for the foundation. I, I was just researching everything, questioning everyone that I can for advice, you know? And when my, as my son grew up, it's like, you know, I'm only like a few months or a few years along at this. So, uh, this is what I know and I'll help you figure out what's next. Cause <laughs> I need to figure out what's next too. Cool. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's great. Um, is there anywhere that people can uh, check out your, your book, your race, etc.? Oh, Thanks. Yeah, I have a website. It's just my name. As long as you know how to spell mail, M-O-E-H-L. It's just chrissymail.com. Um, yeah, I sell my book on there. There's also, you can buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or um, our local up here in Bellingham, our running store, Fairhaven Runner sells it. And I know some other ones do around the States. Um, I love selling it off my website because then I get to sign it and send it to people personally, which Ooh, is kind of fun. Cool. But. I can't get the same, I can't give you the same price as Amazon does, but (laughs) Um, I promise to sign it and send it myself. Um, Yeah. And then my Instagram is linked on there. I'm way more of an Instagram than any of the other platforms. So that's where I'm the most inner or engaged. I'll make sure to leave a link to your website and your Instagram in the show notes. I really appreciate this, Chrissy. Right on. Cool. Thanks, Will. Yeah, I'm glad we connected. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your time. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Woo! I love getting to talk with people like Chrissy. Just putting themselves out there without like a, a clear path in front of them and just figuring out how to make it all work. Right. Like she's a, she does coaching. She's an author. I know that she has like other ways of, of making money and with like a collection of all that, she's able to make it work. And she seems, you know, very methodical to me. I don't see her as, um, how would I say? Irresponsible. So very like measured and she's able to be like measured, but still live a lifestyle where, um, she lowers the amount of time that she spends perhaps like working in things that she doesn't want to do. Right. And it's cool. Cause you even hear that. Like she was at a desk for long is at a desk for long periods of time. And it's not all just like running and going to the places that you love, but it's things that she likes. It's compromises that she would enjoy. And I've, it helps me try to think about my own life in that way and figuring out like, you know, um, when I'm trying to create goals, I like to look at it in reverse. And like, once I've achieved those goals, what does that lifestyle look like? And does that lifestyle really meet like, the desires that I have? You know, maybe I, I want to be um, competitive and go to tournaments, but um, the things, the lifestyle that that would require, um, is that what would make me happy right now? And if it isn't, then I have to like reassess my goals. And it's cool to see someone who's implementing that, you know, for a long time, at least compared to my experience, you know. Anyway, if you'd like to learn more about Chrissy, you can go to chrissymail.com. Um, and that's, you can 
also find her on social media is Chrissy Mail, and I'll leave the links to that in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. You can also support the show by going to becominghumanpodcast.com um, and rating and reviewing on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out the Chuck and Up 50K, which is an epic race in the Chuck and Nuts here in Bellingham, Washington. You go through some of the most killer, like single track, running ridges and breathing in the fresh, fresh air. It's and some of the rock formations out there are beautiful, like sandstone. They're all pockmarked. It's rad. Um, and you can find that. I think it's like chuckinut50k.com. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Bye.